What's up, guys, and welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. It's your main man, J-Mac, here on this gorgeous evening here at Sensibly Loud HQ in Dallas, Texas. I'm joined by Mountain Carl and Brandon. Boys, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Happy hey, gentlemen. Wednesday evening. It's good to be back. Feels like we record this, we talk about this every single week. It always feels like so long between shows because I feel like we just compile garbage to talk about all week long. <laughs> <laughs> and so by the time we get here, it's like, good Lord, it's been forever. It's nuts. Absolutely. No, it's uh, it's pretty great when, when we actually got our, our stuff together now and, and we're working pretty pretty seamlessly online and, and everything. And it's uh, it, it definitely feels like it's been a while, but, but it always also feels like it's kind of not been that long. So it's cool. Yeah, I mean, this yep. time last week, we were guessing horse weights. <laughs> <laughs> Not accurately, I may No. Add. Well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, we had some feedback from that episode, though. People people seem to eat up the, the horse measurement talk. Yes. And, and while I don't know the uh, actual height of the horse and hands, I can tell you that, uh, that it was awfully short. Yes. So... Yeah, subjectively speaking, of course. What a travesty of a story. I was dying laughing whenever you were telling me all that. It's so great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of your self deprecating humor is the best humor. <laughs> exactly. Especially at this company. It works. Yeah. Best. I mean, we've got Ben out on the road right now, and apparently he's visiting like the world's largest mailbox somewhere near St. Louis. I mean, these videos he's been putting out are just incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving them. Yeah, the uh, the actual the the conversation uh, that he has with the camera discussing the almost fight that he gets into oh, with a St. Louis fan. Yeah, but then also doesn't it? It's it's uh it's the most anticlimactic, but also the most enjoyable. You know, thirty seconds that I've had on on uh, watching him speak. So. I agree. And the thing is, like, I think I've rubbed off on Ben a little bit because he would have never, if I met him when I did four years ago, I don't think he ever would have, like, rallied up that much hatred towards just a common baseball fan of another team, much less a parking attendant. I don't think he would have ever riled up that much anger towards them so quickly before about meeting me. I mean, I feel like that's just, you know, yeah. Ben's a real I mean, I calm, cool, and collected guy. And so whenever well, that shit's happening... You know. Full support of Ben, full throated support of Ben. I think that uh, that if he uh, if he's wearing a Rangers hat and he gets guff from a Cardinals fan, that he needs to step up. And I think he did. So good job, good on you. <laughs> we need to go back and watch this because did he actually get guff from them or was he just angry when he saw them? I think I think that there is a little bit of a back and forth. We don't we don't get the full video. We just kind of get the recap. That's what I'm saying. That was the anticlimactic part. I was just yeah. kind of, you know, watching him recap the entire encounter and I was just kind of hoping that he would pull out his phone and then, you know, throw a right hook or something, but no. Nope. We'll have to get him on here to talk about this. I feel I've got questions. Absolutely. I've got questions about his whole adventure and so he he broke the news the other day. I think that was his first video. With his buddy Jeff, he broke the news of the whole Tampa Bay Rays and the Expos story. That's right. Great. Like, it was great conversation and everything. And then all of a sudden, these videos just start coming out of nowhere of just ridiculous situations that he's in. Did I see somewhere that he was near the world's largest chair as well? Does does the actual, like, surrounding area of St. Louis have the actual... uh, you know, monopoly on weird shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> like weird large shit. Yeah. Like, is this like a one neighborhood where they've got the world's largest chair, house, mailbox? Shit. Yeah. Like it's all this shit. Like, is that, I hope that's not where this is. I've got a lot of questions. I, I'm going to look into the chair thing though, but I feel like I definitely saw the world's largest chair in some capacity somewhere from him. <laughs> it definitely wasn't from anybody else that I know. <laughs> He's playing. He's playing to type, finding all the largest, most strange things. So yeah, let's go. Let's 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 keep doing it. I'm I'm all for that. I can't believe that he found all these things around St. Louis. So I know, and I mean, we send the guy out on the road, and he just comes back with electric stuff. So I dig it. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I can't wait to see what comes of this Colorado trip we've all got planned. So you know, there's there's content galore coming from Ben Baseball, even though he's been absent from the baseball show. Because I wanted to give him a bunch of shit for it the other day. But I was like, well, actually, he's been producing a lot of content. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still working hard. Uh, yeah. Very excited for Colorado. Good group of people going. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've been giving Jimmy Midtown a little bit of trash about the Mets just because I have to, and he's just not at all surprised at the fact that the whole thing is a mess, and it just makes me laugh every time. So, Yeah, very disinterested, I'm sure. Indeed. Man, it's been a crazy week just in the news and just with everything going on. Did you see Pizza Hut's returning to its old logo? Does Pizza Hut have to reach back to just what looks like a shitty red hat logo and... I mean, is that how they generate interest? I mean, at least at least Domino's kind of rolled the dice, right? They they said to themselves, "Hey, we can actually go and we can, you know, make good pizza, and then we can completely shit on ourselves while we do it publicly, or we can come out and say, hey, we're as good as we've always been.'" And they really they they kind of they they got this weird dynamic from a. Uh, from an advertising standpoint, and they they made it work for them. I mean, people are going back to Domino's that never went to Domino's before. Pizza Hut has got a whole different situation where they're looking at everything and they're saying, hey, you know what? If we go back to this random hat logo, this <laughs> hut logo that we've got, maybe it'll bring people back in droves. That's not going to do shit. I mean, like, it's is it going to actually have nostalgia involved? I mean, what do you guys think? Mm. So yeah, I'm. I remember this logo vaguely as a kid, and going into actual pizza establishments that looked like a big rectangular restaurant, like a Burger King, if you will, and you can sit down and you know order a pizza and they bring it to you. Uh, I honestly haven't seen that logo since probably like back in the day with you know the third Back to the Future coming out and all that kind <laughs> of stuff, you know. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, because we're reaching sort of that 30-year mark for some things and 40-year mark for other things, they're, they're trying to dip back in and go retro. And I don't know if this is really a, a good call or not. I don't know if that it's really going to matter in terms of boosting their business or not. Um, just sounds like they're out of ideas. So to add to that, I feel like I don't like when teams do this with uniforms either. Whenever it's like you have one set of uniforms or one logo or whatever, right? And then you move to a new set. And then you basically go back to the old set as like a retro, but it's like it doesn't feel like it's that far away. You know what I mean? Like I always look at the Dallas Mavericks as an example. Like they go back to those greens that are awesome, except for the fact that was only one uniform iteration before. So it doesn't, it rings a little bit less cool, I guess. You don't. Are you, I think you need time to miss it. I guess is what I'm saying, and so it's kind of the same thing with like a logo type thing, where it's like, I don't feel like this was that long ago. Are you thinking the same thing with like Texas Rangers powder blues kind of thing, or is that long enough ago no. where so you actually are, get that feeling? Yeah, those are long enough ago where those are awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or like uh, the Cowboys alternate uniform, where it's like the the '60s '70s look. Yeah. 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 It's just I hard with that. them though because they always they've never changed their. They've always remained their classic uniform, which is is fine. I respect that, but they've never changed them. Yeah, when they do the retro stuff for Thanksgiving and stuff like that, you know, you look back and you say, "Oh, okay. Well, you haven't really come that far when it comes to looks of uniforms." I mean, you're not you're not like the Buccaneers or the Pats, right? You know, with the creamsicles, with the creamsicles. Oh, yeah, man. you do the creamsicles, or you do like the the snapping uh, uh, revolutionary. Yeah. What's his name? Yeah. The actual patriot. Yeah, an actual patriot. Yeah, which so. is a, a fascinating concept for a logo. It's incredible, right? And an acronym, to be sure. Yeah, this is. But yeah, I feel like that's the whole thing with this. Is I just don't feel like that logo was that long ago to where I'm like, ooh, I kind of, ooh, that does kind of rub the nostalgia thing. Versus like, oh, well, if you maybe came up with one more new one, went with that for ten years, and then went back to the old one, then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I got you. I, it draws me back to when I was a kid going to the restaurants that had the salad bar that was absolutely disgusting and the sneeze guard <laughs> that just made you want to die. You know, like, I, I remember that. It, it seems, uh, I mean, from a logo and a marketing standpoint, it seems remarkably conservative and cautious. Uh, they don't actually go out and and do anything that hasn't been done before, right? So, uh, I mean, granted, Domino's isn't going to bring back the Noid. Right, but I think that <laughs> I, I think that the uh, you know Pizza Hut bringing back their logo is is really just playing it safe. That exactly, I think that's a great take. It did 
so we determined it was the Noid for Domino's. We were talking about that pre-show. Correct. Yeah, okay. that was that was my uh, my in, in, intimate research into the Noid. Uh, gave that birth. Did, <laughs> you gave birth to the Noid. Did I you... gave birth to the Noid? Go ahead and uh, mark that. Yeah, mark yeah. that for later. Did you uh, did you happen to see how long that was a campaign for by any chance? I did not, but I imagine that uh, in the era of Spuds McKenzie and and things like that, that if you've got if you got the Noid and uh, and he lasted maybe even a year, that's that's too much. Oh no, I'm pretty sure he's older than that. I'm pretty sure he went on for a long time. That's upsetting. When I googled it though, the first article that came up is called "How Domino's Pizza Lost Its Mascot." I don't I don't think I'm really in the mood to get into. The dynamics of how the Noid got murdered. I really no. I think they're pl- they're practicing like really like strong, progressive, interesting marketing strategies now. And I mean, if you look back at the Noid, I can't attribute any of that those verbiage to yeah. the Noid. Yeah, so, Noid murder. You can't look back on that and reflect positively. Yeah, just it's just nightmare fuel, and yeah. I don't like it. But I'm fine with it. You moved on. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, we've moved on, and we're making good pizza now, and we're actually selling on that. So uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of people calling in, you know, offering their takes on how Mountain Carl is an idiot because he said that you know <laughs> Domino's pizza is actually not terrible. It's not. I it's agree not. with you. It's not. But, so which uh, uh, what which one do you prefer, uh, chain wise? Oh man, um, you know I I uh, was a papa john's guy for a while not that that's not mired in controversy expect a lot of flame mail but uh yeah (laughs) but the uh (laughs) but the uh yeah i think when we we come to like the local pizza chains and stuff we try to support them and everything now uh how hipster of me but the the Domino's pizza game is is relatively strong i think that when you're doing late night thing um you know, I I've reached out to Domino several times, so and they've and they've been clutch. Yeah, so. no free ads here, but no, yeah. No. I, like, I like how you said reached out like in your time of need, in my time <laughs> of need, oh. my desperate hours. <laughs> you you have no idea how desperate I've looked ordering yeah. pizza. So yeah. desperate, you end up on the toilet later. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was worth it. it, was worth I, it. I was catching the falling knife. You know, I was I was really trying to prevent that kind of thing. So maybe maybe Domino's comes through. Maybe Domino's doesn't. Uh, but yeah, no, I've I've had a good experience with Domino's recently. The last time that I went to Domino's, Brandon was actually with me, and so we went to pick up the pizza, and we walk in. You know, and like this is kind of a newer Domino's near me or whatever. The guy behind the counter was really nice. I paid for it all this right, and as I'm leaving, he like awkwardly forces me to shake his hand. It was no, you, you just you had a presence, obviously. Yeah, I guess, dude. And I was I mean, maybe he recognized I was the founder or something. I don't know, but like it seemed like he was really keen on shaking my hand. Like Brandon was there. I mean, what did you think? Well, and he looked like one of the assistant managers or something like that, but he just you know, he kind of looked like an IT kind of guy. So I don't know, maybe he's having a second job, but you're he, uh, for human contact. He looked after- like a prick, is what he looked like. Like right after justin paid for it you know and and he's taking the pizza he hands him the pizza and the guy's like okay well hey thanks for coming in guys and extends his hand to us and so we're just like uh okay i don't really Great. expect to shake hands when i go purchase a pizza i just right. I, I feel like that doesn't he, the guy was nice enough right but it was I, i'm not nice enough of a person for that i'm just not i'm way too much of an asshole to be shaking hands you, with the pizza guy. Would you prefer the little Caesars way of walking in and just like, <sighs> you know, grabbing one from a the hot and ready stack? No, from those, the hot and ready oven. Yeah, you're yeah. Just like, I'll have that one. Yeah, <laughs> those pizzas you know, that, are disgusting. <laughs> they've got the bacon around them now, though. Oh, I good. Mean, yeah, just yeah. what it needed. Yeah, just what so, it needed. Uh, You've got that going for you. <laughs> it's disgusting. That pizza is the nastiest pizza I've ever eaten. How, however, they did have. One of the most badass ad campaigns I've ever seen back in like the early '90s with the pizza pizza guy. Oh yeah, yeah. The, I mean every pizza person has got his or every pizza person, good lord, every pizza uh, store has got their mascot. And that, uh, that one was good though. Yeah, 
yeah, not 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 too shabby. So good on you for selling shitty five dollar pizza and uh, <laughs> <laughs> making it happen. Little yeah, Caesars, exactly. It's uh, it's surprising. I mean, as as much as I hated on the retro logo for Pizza Hut, I think I go back and forth between Pizza Hut and Papa John's as my number one now. But uh, Domino's used to be it because it was the closest one when I lived at my last apartment. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> convenience really stepped the game up. However, Hungry Howie's was really good, and oh, J Mac introduced me to that years ago. Did you ever try Hungry Howie's, Carl? I've never tried uh, Hungry Howie's as a uh, as an alumni of uh, SMU. I did the Piggy Pies route. Oh uh, um, yes, Piggy Pies is good though. Yeah, well, Piggy Piggy Pies is pretty solid. I had a, I had a Piggy Pies experience with Sambino when when we were uh, not feeling too well from the night before mm-hmm. and ordering in uh, their barbecue chicken pizza, and our eyes were way bigger than our stomachs. Oh yeah, so Naturally. we. We definitely placed that order and we we're just like, yeah, how big do you want? Like, I don't know, like 24 seems like kind of small. Let's go like 48 <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, let's just go whole hog. And it was like, you know, the catering guy shows up kind of yeah. deal. And he like rolls up and he opens the door. And he's just like, are you serious right now? So uh, it was, it was, it was pretty good. We just stared at each other. We're just like, what do we do? Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It's it's good. It's delivered in a van. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you've got like two people delivering a pizza. You know, you've done something wrong. Yeah. Or right. Very right. Or or right. Yeah. Yeah. Just go for it. It's it's really. I go back and forth on all the the pizza chains as well. I'm kind of so I worked at Pizza Hut. And I really got sick of their pizza, and I got fired, so that didn't really make me happy either. So I kind of boycotted Pizza Hut for a long time, and but I came back around on it because it's good pizza. It really is. Where's everybody at on stuffed crust? Is that like too much? Occasionally, for me. Occasionally, yeah, for me too. Yeah, I've been I've been all in on the whole stuffed crust phenomenon. You know, initially when I was like, you know, nice big fat kid kind of thing. Oh yeah, but uh. I've backed off on the whole stuffed crust thing. Uh, oh, like, but what's yeah. up? I was gonna say, you know what's good is the uh, stuffed garlic knots. If you haven't had those, oh yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, that's a that's a night right there. <laughs> Part of the reason it, that me I got... and my date the, the <laughs> stuffed garlic knots. <laughs> a real romantic. Ah, oh, gonna go need those knots. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it. Yeah, you, uh, did. you had to go there. Yeah, gross. Market. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is so stupid. This is terrible radio. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, one thing that struck me, we were talking about just like, so, well, Hungry Howie's was we were talking about because they had this like seasoned crust. But what kind of made me think about that is just college and shows we watched in college and everything. And as kind of a follow-up, did you happen to see that Chase Utley threw the first pitch out at the Phillies game the other day to Mac from It's Always Sunny? Absolutely. I, I wish I'd, I wish I actually watched the the video. I saw, I read the article on it and everything. So Chase Utley and Mac finally got their catch. It's yep. pretty exciting. Brandon, yeah. is, is that not like probably a top five episode? What would you say? That's a great episode though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Is yeah, it? they... Yeah, because that's the one whenever they're trying to get into the Phillies game, right? And they're fumigating the apartment and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trying yep. to get in the Phillies game, yep. Yeah, what kind of bunch of idiots. He drew the picture and put stickers on there and everything. He's talking about playing catch with Chase Utley. That's his dream. He was going to run out on the field and give him the note and everything that he wanted to play catch with him because he didn't have a dad either. It's just the whole premise was absolutely ridiculous. So they finally made that happen in Philly the other day, which I bet was a riot at the game. I would have loved to have been there for that. Yeah, apparently uh, everybody just lost their shit when uh, it was revealed that that Mac was behind the plate. But it was uh, he was actually wearing, I think, a jersey that said Mac on the back. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's, I think it's Rob McElhaney, right? Yeah. Is the guy's mm-hmm. name? But um, I think I think he was actually wearing a, a real you know Phillies jersey that said Mac on it, and he caught the pitch, and then he uh, he tore off his helmet. And everybody lost their minds. So it was pretty great. <laughs> That's such a great show. It's it's so it's coming back in September, 
And I was I've been watching through. It took Claire and I a little bit, but we kind of finally got caught up on it not long ago. And it's still pretty strong. Like it really is for as long as it's been on. I think it's been on like eleven or twelve seasons, right? Yeah, it's something like that. They've got a really strong mind uh, or really strong minds behind the actual writing of that show, and uh, and it's it it definitely takes some talent to to pull that off. So good on them for for going as long as they have. Starting episode or uh, season fourteen this coming wow. fall. So wow. yeah, definitely that's a good run. They took a year off, right? I think they did because uh, the guy who plays Dennis uh, was starting his own show. Um, everybody kind of had like a side project going on. Yeah, they started. Uh, D had the Mick going on. Did you guys ever watch that show? I know Brandon and I have talked about this before. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Carl, did you watch I, the Mick? I uh, I did not watch the Mick. I watched all the trailers for it and everything. I, I it looked hilarious, dude. It was like it was balls to the wall hilarious in every episode. And I mean, they had the perfect cast and everything. The only thing that always perplexed me about it was that it didn't belong on Fox. Like it didn't belong on network TV. It needed to be on like FX. Right. That makes sense. And so it was, I mean, it was racy for like network TV though. Like real racy. Good on Fox for actually pushing the boundaries and everything. Uh, You know, the, uh, the FX network is uh, great. And it's in lieu of the fact that, all of its shows are about miserable people. All of them. <laughs> Every single show that they've got is about miserable people. And that's fine. I mean, it's, it's they, they actually pull it off really well. I mean, it's all well-directed and well-shot and well-written. But it, it, there is a, a definitely a motif there. That's very true. And I'm a big FX follower. I don't know how I ended up becoming that way. I just kind of like gave a few shows a shot back in the day. Like... Uh, uh, the bridge and um, all those kind of shows. And now I watch like what we do in the shadows and then Legion and yeah, it's all crazy stuff, but uh, most, yeah, you're right. A lot of the characters are just miserable. <laughs> yeah. So it's got this gritty realism to it, but yeah, I think that's probably Fox's whole idea with FX. I mean, this is a, a network that had Louie on it for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that not the definition of self-loathing? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That show was hilarious, though. I, it was it was the peak of self-deprecating humor, for sure. Like, that episode when that kid shits in the bathtub might be the funniest thing I've ever seen on television. <laughs> I mean, it, that, what an unbelievable thing to happen in, the, in your house. Just have some kid come over and poop in your bathtub. I'd be furious. It's, yeah, and the way he deals with it, so Louis, self-deprecating, loathing-like, is, is great. It's a shame that he got me too just given that he was so talented kind of thing, you know, but it sounds like he's starting to come back. I think he did a show in New York the other day. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Uh, he's, he's on the mend talent wise. Uh, no telling if he is, uh, has done his apology tour enough, but we'll, we'll find out. I'm sure. So breaking bad is on FX as well. I thought that was on AMC. No, that was AMC. Yeah. Yeah, Breaking Bad is AMC, so that's another network that features more, uh, I guess you could say, self-loathing characters, because you have Mad Men, you have uh, Walking Dead, you know, you have like all these characters that are going through some sort of drama or conflict. Good point. Carl, did you watch Mad Men? I got a, I got a good taste of it. Um, it. It actually seemed like it was a really well- well-developed character drama. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, I've gotten, like I said, it, only a taste. Yeah. Um, my, my experience of it and everything was that I needed to be more invested in the characters. Um, you know, not unlike the, a game of Thrones situation and things like that. So I definitely, I want to invest time in it. I think, uh, I think girlfriend would like it. Actually. She would. Yeah, she definitely would. Claire loved it. But it's a slow burn. It's just different than anything else. That's what I love about it the most is that it just kind of takes, you know, the pace gets very, it stays very moderate. But then every now and then something just balls to the wall crazy happens and you're just, it's so out of character that or you know, just out of place that it it just absolutely stunning. So does it it lend itself well to binge watching? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's the best way to watch it for sure. Good. 
Yeah, like, I think I whole... binged the first like four seasons of it, and then I had and I watched it live from there. Yeah, the Netflix model binge yeah. watch it. No doubt yeah. about it. But Roger Sterling might he'll be your favorite person in the world. He's incredible. So it's a great. I got show. friends who are in like fully loving. Uh, was it jo- is it Josh Ham? John Ham. John Ham. John Ham. Yeah. Yep. I love him too, but like I can't think of him as anything but Don Draper now because it's a tragic character. I mean, just yeah. I mean, brutal, brutal character. So, but there are all kinds of shows on that network like that too. The Americans was really great too, Brandon. That's a show you've been all about. Oh yeah, I can't recommend that show enough. I really need to sit down and do a watch of that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, the cast is excellent too. So it's it's caught my eye several times. Did you guys happen to see some of these rumors and leaks about this potential of the Breaking Bad movie coming soon? Yeah, so uh, I think it came out today or yesterday, uh, or maybe it was over the weekend, but I think on social media, both Brian Cranston and uh, uh, Aaron Paul, who plays Jesse Pinkman, uh, both kind of posted something just teasing and just saying soon in quotations. So it's been talked about that it's moving into pre-production. Should be in production already for the Breaking Bad movie. Um, the story, uh, basically, Vince Gilligan is back to form, and you know he's been busy doing Better Call Saul, which has been amazing. I've been very happy with that. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to ha- uh, take place uh, right after the events of the Breaking Bad series finale, and you see kind of what happens to Jesse Pinkman after that. I can't wait for this, Carl. Uh, so you haven't done Breaking Bad yet. No, go ahead and uh, give me give me the Cliff's notes on why I should actually be fully involved in Breaking Bad. I, I, I know I know Breaking Bad is is a fantastic show. Uh, it's it's very brooding character drama. Uh, but what what is the big hook when it comes to Breaking Bad to you guys? It's the way that it's written. It's brilliantly told. The story interweaves, and there's so much imagery. There's so much just like I've watched that show uh, two full times through like two and a half times through basically. And every single time I've watched it, I've picked up something new where I'm like, oh, that's a common color among this emotion or this this type of situation. It's the detail and just the way the story is told is there's nothing else like it. Other than Better Call Saul, I guess, but it's the same kind of thing. So it's a spinoff. Yeah, I will say that uh, not in the beginning seasons, but later on as it starts to progress, you start to have uh, foreshadowing and and then you'll see scenes from like the future that take place. and It'll start the episode and you're like, then it goes to the main title and you're like, okay, what the fuck was that? And then it goes back and it tells the story leading up to that point. And it could take several episodes, but... I like how they do that. The only other uh, show I can think of that's similar to that in some ways is True Detective. Mm. So if you're a fan of True Detective, I think you'll really, really like Better Call Saul. But, uh, you know, for a brief synopsis, what kind of reeled me in is just kind of like this everyday guy who's trying to be the best dad and husband. And he's a chemistry teacher at a high school. And he finds out he has stage four cancer. Uh, Happens pretty quick. So he has uh, very little time. And um, going and getting like the uh, treatments and stuff, he just knows it's going to cost a lot. He doesn't want to burden his family with all the costs. So he ends up meeting this kid, Jesse, who uh, used to be in his class years ago. And it's kind of a can't remember if he graduated, if he was a dropout, but uh, finds out he's selling meth. And he's like, well, how hard is it to really make this stuff? And then, of course, he makes this like 98% pure, which has never been made ever in the world. And it has this blue look to it and starts to find out he's pretty good at it so they go into the business together yeah cool and it's just the crazy story that ensues around all of that so like it's one of those things it's really slow at first it it is a slow burn and it takes a while to build in the first like two seasons but by the time you get to into season two you're in like you'll be in it's that's that's what i've heard and and i think that maybe one of the things that's maybe hold off on it was the uh the, the constant from binge watching and everything, the the idea that, hey, uh, watch watch four seasons and you're going to be hooked, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think that I'll uh, – it 
everybody says that it's worth it. The payoff is there. I think I need to actually invest time in this thing. You won't regret it, and I'm telling you, you won't be able to put it down. Okay. It, it, it consumed a full week of my time when I discovered it. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I did no- I, nothing but watch that show. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I can't really actually to think about it this way in terms of like how hooked I got on that show. And of course I watched it after it was completely done. So I just binged it on Netflix and it's the best thing ever because you don't have to wait or anything like that. But um, the only thing I can compare it to would be 24 and how hooked I got onto a show. And I was like, Oh shit, I cannot wait to watch the next episode. Which Brandon, is- that's all you had to say, man. 24 yeah, go. and got hooked. I mean, I'm in. Yeah. Yep. Jack Bauer, man. You won't believe how quickly you get to the story. And like, it's like details, like, for instance, and the way that like Better Call Saul plays into it and sews into Breaking Bad, like, because what Claire and I did last summer is we watched all of Breaking Bad and then all of Better Call Saul again. And then as the fall came and it was recorded in the new season, we just let all that record and as we were watching the previous stuff and then watched it all the way through. And so I was really able to pick, pick up on like the details of what was interwoven into Better Call Saul. And like, there's this like throwaway scene whenever they're like, when things are coming unglued, because Saul is like Walter, the main character's lawyer. And so, like, that he has a spinoff show, and it's kind of like about his past before he got to that point, is kind of how this all builds up. And they're like freaking out. He's about to leave town. He's like, oh, if I'm lucky, he's like, are, are you getting out of here? And he's like, if I'm lucky in six months, I'll be working at a Cinnabon in South Dakota. And then, <laughs> you know, and that's just like a throwaway line. And then that's how Better Call Saul starts is he's in like it's in black and white. He's like in a disguise working in a Cinnabon. And it's like that's such a very small, tiny detail to just like work a whole plot line off of. Awesome. And they do that all the time, like constantly. And within the show, it just it doesn't stop. It's I can't recommend it enough. Put your phone down. Pay attention. I like that kind of show. Exactly, and that's the other. That's the same thing about Mad Men. It's such a slow burn, but you can miss so much if you're not really paying attention. It's the same same way. Right on. So I love those shows too because it forces me to put my phone down. There have been like quite a few movie rumors like floating around and stuff lately. We are throwing a couple of in our Slack chat. What have you guys? Oh seen? yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, you know, I think that the big the big hitter here was batman uh going going back to that i mean pretty pretty sure that we've got some some big names attached to this thing brandon uh we got josh gad chloe grace moretz andy circus i mean what how do you think this all lines up as far as who does what? And do you think that Chloe Grace Moretz is actually a decent Catwoman? We actually had, you know, Audrey Plaza called as a shoe in last episode. And I'm, I'm kind of curious what your take is on this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember talking about Audrey Plaza with, uh, with her, with Moretz, uh, you know, I I know that she's been in some films like a remake of Carrie and uh, let me in, which is like uh, let the right one. in, I believe is what it was, which is about like a girl vampire. And this, this, uh, this boy meets the girl vampire and falls in love and she kind of protects him, but doesn't, you know? Uh, So I've seen a few different roles and different takes that she's given to some gritty performances, but I just don't see her playing Catwoman. Yeah, I'll have to agree with that. Um, I think that she does a great job as either Selena Kyle or Catwoman, but not necessarily bringing the full picture to the role. Um, I think that her physicality is very good as far, I mean, from kick-ass and things like that, that we've actually seen her in and and doing great stunts in. Uh, But really... When it comes to if she can do a good Selena Kyle and Catwoman, I'm not. I mean, maybe she can kind of sell the actual stunt side of things, mm-hmm. uh, but I really don't see her from a yeah from a perspective of of Catwoman playing a very good Selena Kyle or Catwoman. I agree with you. I don't feel I, that's the harder part that I have picturing is not as much the Catwoman part. I don't know. I just, I feel like we laid out the reasons for Aubrey Plaza being perfect for this role last time, 
and I just I can't get my head around someone else being better for it. I just this doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Well, I, I read a good article the other day that kind of got me thinking about, you know, is the 30th anniversary. Um, I think it was like a month ago of Batman 1989, and they've since come out with like 4K, um, you know, versions of it, and it's all been restored and looks great. And, uh, you know, just kind of what we talked about in the last episode of how some people are kind of divided on Robert Pattinson and who's this guy that's 31 or, you know, early 30s going in. And, you know, Michael Keaton was 31 going in as well. And, um, you know, he all he was known as was like Mr. Mom and everything else going in at the time. Uh, But what was interesting was uh, there, you know, Keaton talked about how uh, recently that they were looking at some action stars to be um, cast as Batman back in the day. Mm-hmm. And one of those was Steven Seagal, hmm. which, <laughs> Oh boy, thank God that didn't happen. That probably would have ruined everything for me as a kid, but uh, <laughs> what, what would he have just been coming off of under siege or would he have been going into under siege uh, under siege? I thought, well, no, yeah, you're right. Cause under siege two is early nineties. So yeah, I right. think it was, he probably just came off of under siege. Right. And uh, under siege, in its own right, pretty good action film, you know. Um, not Batman, though. <laughs> not Batman. <laughs> yeah. So strange. Yeah, it, it would have been pretty cheesy. But so this was the studio's take is they they really thought about it because it's like, you know, think about it. You're you're at the end of a an amazing decade where you had Arnold and Predator, Arnold and the Terminator. You had, you know, Sylvester Stallone in some roles and Jean-Claude Van Damme was uprising and, you know, so all these action stars were taken over and everything was like action, sexy, you know, who gives a shit about the story, right? You know, it could be cheesy as hell, but it's still going to make money. Right. And so they thought about from that perspective and they're like, well, but we, you know, who's going to, how, how are they going to do as Bruce Wayne? They're going to suck ass. So we need to find like an actor who can actually do brooding and actually act and give like a different twist and different take on that character. And as far as Batman goes, we just put a stunt guy in the suit and no one will know the difference. So same concept here for Catwoman. I think they should go with, you know, a real good actress and somebody who can, you know, have some depth to it. And then as far as like with the costume, if it's the costume I'm thinking of from the graphic novels where she's got the goggles that goes over her head and, her, her face and stuff. Yeah. You just put a stunt woman in there. Yeah. I mean, if you're actually talking about Steven Seagal, um, I mean, you might as well throw like Michael Dudikoff from like American Ninja <laughs> in there. I mean, like it, it just doesn't, some of these things just don't track. Um, I, I mean, granted Dudikoff would have been a greater choice than Seagal. So uh-huh. I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll, I'll say it right now. Mm. Michael Dudikoff as Batman coming off of only Canon pictures would <laughs> if, be would be a better choice than Steven Seagal. But if you're going to cannonball Batman, you may as well do it right. I mean, at that uh, point. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I mean, if you're actually going to, you know, just shotgun it and just like blow it out of the the hell out of it then yeah yeah, i mean you know might as well uh go with the kitschy you know fun steven seagal make that uh yeah i mean i don't know it's it's not not my favorite no it's not awesome i'm glad we hammered that out just in case anybody wondered (laughs) (laughs) was steven seagal a good pick no no he would not have been (laughs) confirmed bad uh, the so the other rumor uh, going around is you know there's been a lot of like boss logics and all these that kind of come up with uh, sort of these graphics just taking pictures of real celebrities and putting them into the outfit and you know it does a really good job and they were doing that for Josh Gad because there were some rumors that maybe he was up for the role or he was reading for the role of uh, 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 penguin right remember. penguin uh, I was trying to remember the the full name um, uh, Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why I was blanking on that. It's all uh, good. Yeah. And so it turns out, I don't know if that's true, if he's reading for it or not, but uh, they've, you know, it's pretty much official that, you know, he's definitely not going to be the one with the role. Uh, but the rumor is that Andy circus is possibly up for that role. Hmm. That is uh, very interesting, especially since we've got a good mix of him from a CGI standpoint and a very good, uh, you know, look at him from a non-CGI standpoint from the MCU. So we'll uh, 
we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, I think he would be a pretty good penguin, actually. I, I think so, too. And what's interesting is he worked with uh, the same director, with Matt Reeves, uh, during the, uh, the entire trilogy of the, the Ape trilogy. That's right. That's right. Josh Gad is awesome, though. I like him a lot. He's just, I don't know if that's the right role for him, but at the same time, I feel like he'd be really great at it, too. He'd be great. He would just be sort of a campier version. And the way that the penguin is, especially in the comics, like some, well, it depends on the comics. Some of the comics has a monocle, but the other ones that, uh, what I like the iteration of the penguin is, you know, he's this arms dealer and in the Arkham video games, actually, they kind of captured my favorite version where it's not a monocle, but it's like a broken, uh, bottom of a, of a beer bottle that's mm-hmm. been like lodged into his eye and it's just stuck there. Awesome. And so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you go gritty, yeah, Andy Serkis, I think he's he's already pulled that off in so many movies like uh, Black Panther. He did that. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Great. Great take on that. And uh, yeah, I mean, as uh, as far as uh, Gad goes, I'm actually kind of curious if he goes the Riddler route. Hmm. Hmm. That would be interesting. I never even really thought about that. I, I don't think anyone really did because the the cobble pot thing was really hanging in front of everyone. But I mean, as far as the was it Edward Nigma, right? The mm-hmm. yep the uh, the Riddler. I mean, I I could I could see this this actually turning out pretty well. Um, I you know we've we've hammered out the Catwoman casting to death, and there will be rumors from here until the actual movie is done. Oh yeah, the uh, when it comes to Riddler, uh, I think I think he'd be pretty solid. I don't hate that pick. I really don't. I've never really thought about it that way, but I, I don't hate that pick at all. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be okay. Um, I yeah, I, you know, because the Riddler's got a little bit of a sardonic, uh, you know, comedic twist to him. So I think I think he would pull it off. I still think that Neil Patrick Harris would be a better Riddler. It seems to fit the bill of the original character a little bit better, yeah. probably. I think we still have the uh, the stain of Jim Carrey <laughs> yeah. in all of our minds. That so, I I think that uh, w- was Joel Schumacher Schumacher involved in Batman Forever as well? Yeah, he was okay. a character in that as well. Okay, so I can. I can understand how all of these things transpired as far as Jim Carrey being the Riddler, you know, Tommy Lee Jones being two faced. Like I get that, but, uh, I, I always worry that we've got that so far lodged in our consciousness that trying to pick the exact right person for the role, is it going to stray far enough from those two? Yeah, that's a good point. You got to really nail this one on the head. I feel like, yeah, make it your own. Get, yeah. I mean, get weird with it. Go adventurous and uh, and really pick someone that nobody was expecting. Uh, Heath Ledger is a great example of that for Joker, right. and uh, surprise the hell out of people. I mean, wh- what do you have to lose? You know, the the story has been told to death. Go for yeah. it. I'm all for it. Yeah, break it up a little bit and just give it its own twist because that was what was great about the Dark Knight movies is how different they were, or just that that trilogy. It was yeah, they were so different than anything else. They were so gritty. We talked about that a million times, but sure, absolutely awesome. Um, I was looking at Child's Play the other day because so have we talked about that movie on the show at all? No, we mentioned that we need to actually go see it, but we haven't actually gone and seen it. Well, yeah, it doesn't come out till October, right? But I, I just can't believe we haven't really talked about this more than like we were talking about this in pre-show. And Carl, you kind of made a little bit of a discovery about it yesterday, which I'll let you kind of go into here in a second about its ratings and everything so far. But yeah, well, maybe it, maybe it has. I mean, maybe it has come out earlier than October. I guess my main thing is I that I think it's already out. Is, is it, it out? Is it out? Yeah, it okay. came out. Uh, Oh, uh, last Friday. I'm thinking of the okay. It movie. I'm sorry. It movie. Yeah, yeah. Yes, That's what you're I was right. thinking of. Yeah. It, oh, my God. Trying to stage these releases right now. Uh, trying to like trying to not step on anybody's toes and trying to get your biggest audience. What a pain in the ass. We can cover that later. But yeah. the, uh, the Child's Play thing uh, that really shocked me was that it's still fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. 
it seems to be another one of those big disparities between the people who are going to go see the film and the critics. Uh, you know, there's, you know, when you see like superhero films and things like that, you get a lot of the thing where the critics, they bomb it. The people who go and see it, they crush it when they say that they want other people to see it. Uh, when you talk about child's play, I'm not really sure how that balances out, but I'm really surprised that, that it's, it's holding its own as far as the critics are concerned. So I think we're at 69 right now as of this date, uh, as far as cer uh, not certified fresh, but fresh. And uh, no, I mean, I was, uh, I was really surprised by that. They've got Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky, which is pretty cool. I've seen some interviews with him and trying to go for it and talk about that. And if those of you are, uh, shocked when it comes to Mark Hamill and uh, voice acting. Uh, you really need to look into this man because he has got a massive, massive background in this. Um, if you watch, uh, speaking of Batman, I uh, hate to drag it back, but uh, Joker from Batman the Animated Series, Mark Hamill. So uh, mm. he's been doing this for a long time. And I think that he can actually pull it off. Uh, I think that it could not be more capable hands. But, you know, I mean, the casting and everything surprised me. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, uh, you know, the direction, everything, the whole direction that everything took in that movie as far as the trailer's gone. Um, talking more about the, uh, the you know, overrun of... Uh, like cybersecurity and things like that. And, and like how the, the internet of things is coming to get you. And uh, you know, it, it's a different take for sure. It's not the possessed child doll serial <laughs> killer of your, yeah. but no, I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. And, and I think it, it'd be good. It'd be a good SLM uh, hangout to go, to go check this movie out. I, I think it'd be even better to all get together when it comes out and just watch it at the office. I think that's a better idea. Just so we, I, I don't see us going to theaters to see this at this point. No, the, the, the actual talkability during the film. Also a good point. Yeah. They, people wouldn't yeah. like that. No, we'll no, just, we could, uh, you, you don't mean that we could share ideas openly during an entire screening of a movie. Yeah. That, that doll's going to kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> all that one. Yeah. Oh, Guys, look, they did it. <laughs> <laughs> not not a good look. No, not awesome. Hey guys, we're we're with SLM. Look us up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting trashed on our social and on our website yeah, and everything. <laughs> yeah. These ruined movie one star. Oh, we'd be fighting with people on all fronts. Everyone is every one of us would be on the battle lines fighting for this thing. The, the proverbial good. knives would be out. Yes. Ben would be so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Ben is always the moral compass, but he he would be so angry. No, I mean, uh, Chucky scared the hell out of me. Yeah, when I oh, was yeah. young, and uh, I I will say that I wonder if that had anything to do with my main fear when I was a child, which was Teddy Ruxpin. Do you guys remember Teddy Ruxpin? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Teddy, Teddy Ruxpin was a phenomenon back in the day, and. Uh, Nothing, nothing has scared the shit out of me more when I was a little kid than Teddy Ruxpin. The, uh, the idea here, for those of you who don't know what Teddy Ruxpin is, is it is a uh, stuffed bear that has a moving mouth that actuates with the cassette tape that you've put in its back. So it talks to you, right? Mm -hmm. And... Teddy Ruxpin tells you stories of fantastical worlds involving himself and from a first person perspective. The problem is Teddy Ruxpin runs out of batteries and this is an analog story, right? This is sure. an analog situation where when he starts to run out of batteries, he starts to talk like he is a demon. <laughs> so, when he's telling his uh, his grand tales of he and his friends flying on a hot air balloon and going to conquer the evil whatever king, it comes out to, you know, hey, guys, my name's Teddy Ruxpin. I'm here to tell you about <laughs> a story. So uh, needless to say, when I was when I was like four or five years old, 
uh, Teddy Ruxpin scared the living shit out of me. And uh, from that point on, I think I had about 70 recurring dreams of nothing but Teddy Ruxpin just rows of him with red eyes just looking at me. So <laughs> good, good, good on you. Good on you, Teddy Ruxpin. Holy Doing a great moly. job. All right. Well, hold, hold it down. That, that just means one thing. We've got to get one of these things. We've got to get oh, our hands on one right now. I bet if you eBay it for two hundred freaking dollars, oh, no. it'll be yeah. No, I don't know how much it costs. Now, We're gonna but. look into this. We're gonna get back to this because this is definitely something we need to look into now as an adult. No, yeah. go, uh, go scare the hell out of me, you know, with with slow talking Teddy Ruxman. You can and uh, you can handle it now though, right? I I think so. Is is it as bad as that that one MLB <laughs> player waking up from his uh his spider nightmare? Oh yeah. Well, we could. Yeah. I mean, we'll do it during the day if that makes you feel better. I'll get you a pacifier and a blanket. You know, it'll make you feel better. <laughs> I would be emotionally crippled, but you guys would love it. Be Good sucking content. Your, sucking your thumb with the blanket in the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at least at least make it fun for me. You know, get a get a nice blanket. Get a nice sucker. You know what? Uh, so two things really freaked me out as a kid. Number one was the gremlins. Just the concept oh. of the gremlins. It, the, that fear got exponentially worse when Furbies came to be a thing. Yeah. Oh, because those Furbies. were like asshole gremlins. And gremlins... My sister had one. It was bad. Oh, yeah. i pretty sure my sister and I both had one. And it was annoying as shit. And I drowned mine, actually. I threw it in water. <laughs> um <laughs> Did it know it was drowning? I mean, it had like the guidance computer or computer of like a guidance guided missile or something. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just threw it in water and it, it was dead after that. So it, <laughs> it took about twenty minutes for that to happen. Um, <sighs> but that got expedited badly whenever those things came out because they were like you had to feed those assholes and you had to do all kinds of stuff to keep them happy. What a pain in the ass toy. Yeah, in in person Tamagashi. Good job, world. Yeah, those things, <laughs> those <laughs> things were like sought after too. Oh God, yes. I mean, when those things came out, it was like kicking down doors. You know, I mean, like it was, uh, it was that. It was like the tickle me Elmos and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, that Furby is among the pantheon of hard to get, you know, worth the fight toys for your children. So. I I remember uh, when when my friend had a Furby, or his 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 little sister had a Furby, mm-hmm. and uh, or maybe he had a Furby, he didn't admit to it. But either way, he uh, he put it in the freezer, <laughs> and and it, it told it told uh, it was like shivering, and it said like, "Ooh, it's cold," you know. What? And uh, no way. No <laughs> yeah, way. I mean, like, I okay. So this is all anecdotal. So, but the idea was that it was making his sister miserable. And then he took it out of the freezer because he, she asked him to take it out of the freezer and then threw it against a wall. And when he threw it, he goes, Wee! and it hits the wall and then breaks into a million pieces. So, uh, Furby's very all self-aware. Right. Good job. Um, is that a Mattel product? Uh, probably. I. I we're gonna have to get one of those too. We're gonna have to do some tests. We need to figure out what happens when you kill Furby. I want to hit it with a baseball bat. You think you bring, Alexis. It you on, bring it to Colorado? Yeah, we could go to a baseball field and I'll hit it. Well, somebody can pitch it to me and I'll hit it with a bat. That'd be awesome. We'll I think it, uh, you you think two Alexas talking to each other is annoying as hell. Wait till you see two Furbies talking to each other. I dude, I. So we're putting we're gonna end up having to get two airbnbs i think we're putting the batteries in one of the airbnbs and we're putting the furbies in another if that's happening the batteries <laughs> can be nowhere near those goddamn furbies do you think they absorb them they, I they don't seek know. out and they find them i don't know that they don't come alive at night i'm not wanting to find out while we're in colorado if there's one do. thing that toy story could taught me is that be ready that's that's a very good point you've got to be alert yeah. That are not in the museum, uh, the Furby Incursion, which was the lost sequel. <laughs> yeah. So Ooh, that'd be great content to make when we whenever we get the Furbies. All right. Our own night of the museum. Good. Yeah. Great. The Teddy Ruxpin and the Furbies. We'll work on that. Oh God. <laughs> Who would be in charge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. We're not going down that road. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth it. No. No.
Yeah, all right. We're we're just coming up with all kinds of ideas here to get to to test. So I think that'll be good. I the other thing that I was thinking about, like, so the first thing that came to mind whenever we were talking about things that terrified us as a child, though, is I was always scared of like mice and rats. And I just I don't leave us that caught like some people don't care. It just freaks me out. I don't know. It's snakes are the same way. I'm just one of those people. I don't like that shit. And it I was thinking as to why that is, and I was thinking about whenever I was probably, man, I couldn't have been in more than like second or third grade. And we had just moved into this new house. And I thought I heard a rat in my, or like a mouse in my room. Like I heard stuff shuffling around. But, you know, as a kid, my parents were like, oh, you're, you're fine. You're just looking for ways to stay out. You know, that kind of thing. You, get, you know, as a parent, there's tough love there at times. Right. And, but I swear it happened. And one day I had made something out of like construction paper. And it had fallen off of my desk. And my desk had like a like a thing of drawers next to it. It was kind of like a hutch desk with like drawers next to it. And underneath it had fallen kind of underneath by the drawers. And I heard like munging, like almost like a like if you bit into a carrot, like a you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, what the hell? You know, and of course I'm a I'm a kid and I'm kind of freaking out, but like my parents had told me it's okay a million times. And then I woke up the next morning, and that goddamn whatever it was—it was like a booklet or something I made in school—was just eaten all to fucking hell. There was there was paper <laughs> shreds everywhere, all over oh my, my room. God. <laughs> and my mom was like, "What the hell?" And I was like, "Well, I didn't fucking eat it, so there had to have been." <laughs> I'm sure that's what I said as a second grader, but right, you know, <laughs> I didn't fucking eat it. No, but uh, I was like, "Well, I didn't eat it, so like obviously something's alive up here that's eating this construction paper because I didn't sit here and do it all night, and I heard it happen." So that terrified the living shit out of me. It really did. I slept with a nightlight for a long time after that because because of the whole construction paper fiasco. And I'm not ashamed to admit it because that was terrifying. Nightlights have their place for sure. So mice eating paper, never a good thing. Wow. Also yeah. keeping uh, tabs on your construction paper. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, how else would you know there's mice there? Right. <laughs> Brandon, was there anything like that that just like terrified you as a kid? Yeah. So, um, well, most of them were nothing really terrified me in terms of like ideas of things, but it was, it was, uh, two things, uh, close encounters of the third kind. Okay. Aliens in that, especially whenever the door opens at the end, you see that huge alien all stretching out and it looks like a freaking manis that scared the hell out of me because he had this weird looking ghoulish head turning and stuff. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing would be, uh, oh shit! I just I just had it and I just lost my thought. Uh, oh, my sister had an ET doll, and something about <laughs> ET watching that on tape as well as Poltergeist was pretty freaky. But okay, the the biggest thing that freaked me out as a kid was the Unsolved Mysteries theme song. Yep, and a lot of those episodes because they were just freaky and these shadowy f- figures, and it's like okay, I don't ever want to go outside. <laughs> yeah, I think that's on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, I I haven't gone back and watched that show in years. I would love to. You know what? Speaking of shows that scared me, Tales from the Crypt scared the shit out of me. Oh yeah! Oh my god! What a terrifying thing to be on like PBS. Yeah, it's that's pretty jacked. Um, the Are uh, you afraid of the dark? That are you afraid of the dark? Is a good one. Uh, Outer Limits mm-hmm. got me pretty good. Um, because I was a big I was a big Twilight. Uh, I'm not awesome. Twilight. Oh my God, Twilight Zone! Yeah, I almost said Team Edward again. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Twilight Zone with like Rob Serling and everything. Uh, yeah. Talk about good TV! Holy shit! Oh, yeah. But the uh, you know when it, when it comes to Outer Limits, dude, that that they did not hold back. They tried to modernize that shit, and it got real weird real fast. Um, there were some some episodes in there when I was watching it as a kid, it scarred the hell out of me for life. Yeah. So, it was very like David Cronenberg ish. And it, it got was, that's a really that. good way to yeah. put it. It was yeah. very David Cronenberg ish. Yep. Really was. All right, boys. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up on, uh, on terrifying construction paper talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it. Right. <laughs> All right, well, we want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That's at Sensibly Loud on Twitter and on Instagram. We are at Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook, and we are we have the website, SensiblyLoud.com, for all the latest blogs, pods, and more. And we will be back next week with another edition of Sensibly Loud Radio.